With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. BHN Podcast, I'm John Miller, along with Steve Dace. Another week of Big Ten basketball is in the books, and another week to delve into it and dive into it. A few weeks ago, Steve threw out uh, his first predicting the rest of the Big Ten schedule of the year. That's not the technical term, but you get what I'm talking about. Uh, let's, let's brush up on what he sees, and I will also share some things that I saw as I predicted the rest of the Big Ten slate on Sunday and plan to do that every Sunday going forward. Steve, you have Michigan and Michigan State tying at 16-4. and four. Well, and, and these are through games of uh, Saturday. Uh, my projections, but so far the only game that uh, is different from what I sent you is Penn State Northwestern last night went different than I thought it was going to go. Uh, the Indiana-Michigan State game, I think, really threw uh, the race for a loop. I think Michigan State with the road wins um, at Iowa, uh, at Ohio State, um, clearly had uh, a, a schedule leg up on Michigan, uh, but losing that game at home the way they did, I think kind of puts things back to where I had them in the preseason where I thought these two teams would both tie but would actually tie with five losses. So Michigan State still has to play Michigan twice, and Michigan matches up very well with Michigan State. We saw that last year, and these are a lot of the same guys. Um, and they still have to play Michigan twice, um, and they've got to play at Wisconsin, at Indiana now which looks like a tougher game as well. So there are still some tough games for Michigan State down the stretch. And, John, I think we're, we're getting in now. We're, we're starting to see the depth in the league. You know, we, a lot of us, and myself included, thought that these two teams had separated themselves, um, yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, we're acting like November and December never happened. And at the end of the non-conference season here, we went into the holidays – and like 10 of the top 50 teams in the net rankings, the, that's the NCAA tournament's uh, metric, were from the Big Ten. Right now, 19 of the top 55 teams in the net rankings are from the Big Ten or the ACC 40 days until Selection Sunday. So we're starting to see the depth of the Big Ten that, that showed itself in the non-conference with Iowa beating Iowa State. Ohio State had two top 50 RPI road wins. Indiana beat Louisville and Marquette. Those are top 15 wins right now. We're starting to see that non-conference performance of the conference. As we get further into Big Ten play now, we're starting to see that depth. And I, I, I would urge our audience, 
don't forget that because what happens when you all start playing each other is now people think, well, Michigan State must not be that good because now all the success you're going to have is at the expense of another team in the league, right? So remember that non-conference season when, when, when the Big Ten looked like the best conference in America. And if you remember that, and I think I forgot it too, if we remember that, then what we're seeing now doesn't seem like a surprise or doesn't seem like mediocrity. It's basically what we kind of thought the league race was going to be in December. Yeah, I you so basically with your 16 and 4 Michigan State beating Michigan you have Michigan as the 1 seed and Michigan as the 2 seed in the Big 10 tournament. The 3 and 4 seeds also we have a little tiebreaker to deal deal through. You have Purdue and Wisconsin both finishing 14 and 6. Yeah, what's fascinating with Purdue is uh, to me I think that they've got a very favorable schedule down the stretch, probably the most favorable schedule of any of the of any of the teams tied for first place right now. But I also think they've got the, the lowest ceiling. I, I don't know how much better Har- Matt Harms and Ryan Klein can be than they are right now. Uh, and, you know, those guys are playing good basketball. I think this is a team that's likely peaked about right now. Uh, and I think you'll see them drop some games here down the stretch like they almost did to Minnesota at home. Um, but if, 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 even if I'm right, I think I have them finishing t- uh, 14 and 6, 21 and 10. Given how much they lost and the six and five start, that's a hell of a season for Purdue, if you ask me. It is. I mean, here's the rest of their schedule: home games: Nebraska, Penn State, Illinois, Ohio State. Their road games: Maryland, Indiana, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Northwestern. I mean, yeah, I could see them losing maybe three more actually, but mm-hmm. um, it, it's a pretty good slate there. And by the way, Purdue beat Wisconsin in their lone head-to-head matchup of the year. So Purdue would be the three, and Wisconsin the four in your setup. Uh, the five seed, if it season ended right now, you have Maryland projecting at 13-7. and seven. Really good year for them. You know, it's a program that's a year away. You'll go back and listen to our podcast after the season, and I was really high on them. I thought um, the four best teams coming into the year uh, before NBA early entries – would be the two Michigan schools, um, Nebraska and, uh, and Maryland. And, you know, Maryland lost a couple of guys um, to the NBA draft that they were really counting on that made their team a lot younger. I think a lot of us thought their team was going to be a year away. but And I think they probably peaked about the second week of January. But for them to still get to 22-9 and nine and the NCAA tournament in, in a year that a lot of people thought they were a year away from, that's a good season for them too, I think. It is. By the way, you have Michigan State, then Michigan, then um, Purdue and Wisconsin as your top four. I had Michigan State, Purdue, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Maybe I'm uh, maybe maybe I'm a little bit too shaken by Michigan's offensive dive, which we're going to talk about here a little bit uh, greater detail here in a, here, here a few minutes. Looking at the number six seed, you have Iowa finishing at twelve and eight, which is also where I have them. That's a game better than I predicted back in December before the conference schedule got into full bore. Um, I have them at 23 wins. I think I misspoke on Twitter. It was the 87 team that went to the Elite Eight, not the 88 team. Right. Uh, but this would, that would make this team, in terms of regular season wins, if they get to 23, and I went and looked this up, and we're just talking regular season now, 
because Alfred had a, had a couple teams based on what they did in the Big Ten tournament, for example, that got more right. than that. But in terms of regular season wins, that would be the most regular season wins at Iowa, if I'm right, since 1988. Yeah, and it would be it would be the second most ever, uh, not even a tie. The 05-06 team actually got to 22. So yeah, that would be uh, that would be something. And. A lot of us were complaining over a loss at Minnesota a few weeks ago. Here's the uh, thing. I know that's weird, but you got to be rooting like crazy for Iowa State if you're an Iowa fan because the clones could win the Big 12. And that would be the best non-conference win for a league that had a lot of good non-conference wins. Well, some, maybe, maybe Michigan, North Carolina, it's debatable. But if you're, if you're beating a top five, a power five conference champion – that's a huge win for Iowa's NCAA tournament. Uh, it's not a pro- it's not an issue of getting in now. It's about seeding for Iowa. Yep. So Iowa fans, at this point, you're rooting for Iowa State to win that Big Twelve. Go Clones! I always say. Next up, uh, you have Minnesota finishing at ten and ten, which would get them at twenty and ten. Fascinating team. I think they got. When you look at their second half schedule, brother, I think it's the toughest one in the league. And I'm giving them a win against Michigan. I, I'm projecting this will be one of Michigan's two, two more losses. It's a, it's a road game that comes at a terrible time for the Wolverines in terms of the classic look-ahead sandwich game, whatever you want to call it. So even I'm even giving them a win against Michigan to get to 10-10. and 10. Uh, they had a, They've got a lot of nice-sounding wins in the non-conference against Power 5 teams, but they're Power 5 teams that um, – haven't had good seasons except for Washington, who could very well be the only team out of the Pac-12 that gets an NCAA tournament bid this year, as nuts as that is to believe. So if I had to guess, if Minnesota went 10-10, and I, I'm going to say, you know, I used to say you're, before you're on the bubble, you're in the spittle. You're like the teams that are one step away from the bubble. That's probably where I think Minnesota would be heading into the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and they're going to need a win against a Michigan because right about now they're in the mid-50s as far as uh, Pomeroy's rankings are concerned. Well, Indiana- you know what I'm fascinated by with Minnesota, John? Pardon me, I'm sorry, but they've got, they've got as many or more quadrant one wins than Nebraska, and they're like 20 spots lower than Nebraska yeah. in the net rankings. I, I can't figure out why. Yeah, I don't. I don't get the Nebraska love. They got to win over Pomeroy, thirty-four, Washington. Uh, you know, Nebraska at twenty-seven, eleven, Wisconsin, uh, twenty-two, Iowa. So, uh, Indiana nine and eleven. That is a team whose NCAA tournament hopes were nearly dead, and then they beat Michigan State in East Lansing. And the fact that they did so without their best interior player for the majority of that game, and also the way that they answered, I mean, that was a back-and-forth, very entertaining game. And then it went to overtime, and I think we all probably thought, well, good good job, good effort, Indiana. Here's where you lose. They were resilient. They were, they were uncharacteristically hitting outside shots uh, in that game. That was an enormous win for them. I thought it was an, a program maker potentially for Archie Miller, uh, an establishment win that I think he desperately needed. And if they get to nine and eleven, I, I think Indiana, Indiana is going to have a huge say in who wins this league and who gets the top four buys because they still they still play Iowa, Purdue, Michigan State, and Wisconsin at home. 
There's no bigger fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes than Iowa's premier dish retailer, Big Dog Satellite and Solar. If you can't watch live, there's no better way to record every game than the Hopper from Dish. Search or call Big Dog today and ask for the Hawkeye Tailgater Special. After the Hoosiers, you have Ohio State uh, at 9-11. Another team, I think we forgot how good of a non-conference they had. I think they had, uh, we're one of only a couple of teams in the country that had two top 50 or two quadrant one road, pure road wins. Not we beat a team in a tournament on a neutral site, but pure road wins. So if that's another team that if they can get to or around 500 in the league with what they did in the non-conference, I think they'll hear their name called 40 days from today on Selection Sunday. Northwestern, 7-13. and 13. Um, Doug Collins should have sold high a couple of years ago, maybe. Yeah, you know, I like Nance and a couple of these other young players they have. The problem they have is I think this is going to be another rebuilding year next year because they don't have a point guard right now. They've got Vic Law, the senior, playing that spot. And you saw against Minnesota when he struggles or gets into foul trouble, I mean, they, they, they're already limited offensively. They become even more so. So they're, they're, they're scrappy. They're competitive. They're in almost every game. I, I think they'll pull an upset or two down the stretch here, like late in the year maybe against Ohio State at home or something like that. Uh, but I think they're probably two more years away from getting back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I'm just really glad that you used uh, the adjective scrappy when defining Northwestern. It seems to be uh, an obligation. Illinois, 6-14. Six and, <laughs> six and 14. You know, I know it's Brad Underwood's second year. And I know that they, you know, I, I just don't get, and maybe I've got to let go of what I remember from my youth, I just don't get how Illinois can be this bad this long and miss. They're almost pushing for, what, the last NCAA tournament nine or ten years ago? I know. I mean, it seems like D. Brown and those guys was a long time ago, man, in a galaxy far, far away. And I, I don't know, uh, you know, I wonder how many people in our audience remember Bill Self coaching Illinois to the Sweet 16, for example. Yeah. Okay? I, I, I just, I don't get it i don't know i don't know why they can't roll out of bed and it, you know maybe you know you've got duke and kentucky and these schools coming in and recruiting chicago like they didn't in the 70s and 80s okay fine can you roll out of your but depaul sucks too you know and they were a dominant program when you and i were growing up as well you know so i don't know can, why can't illinois though roll out of bed and become a consistent fifth or sixth place team in the big 10 I mean, if they're not going to be what they were in the heyday of the of the Lou Henson era, fine. They're not going to be the flying Illini again, fine. If they're not going to be that team that played that you know incredible final game against Carolina back in 05, fine. But you I, you cannot convince me there's not enough players in that state that on a, on a perennial basis they cannot just roll out of the rack and finish fifth or sixth in the conference, and that's an NCAA tournament team. That's just ridiculous that they continue to be this bad. I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, and, and what amazes me more is their fans are like, well, it's just Underwood's second year. It's like, you know, guys, you should, like you say, roll out of bed and be better than Iowa every year just with the talent that's there. Rutgers, 6-14, and 14, which is a pretty good year for them. Yeah, they've got four wins right now. I think their second-half schedule is a lot more challenging starting tonight uh, against Michigan. So I think they're only, they're only going to win a couple more games rest of the year. I think they'll have a lot more games like the game they played against Ohio State on Saturday. But 
considering there was talk they they might go one in seventeen or one in nineteen, uh, getting to four or five or six wins in this league, maybe even better. Yeah, that's a really good season for them. I agree, and that's a young team too. Penn State, you have two and eighteen. They got off the Schneid last night. Uh, that would be or so Nebraska. You have also at six and fourteen, and if, if they. I don't get why the metrics love them still so much. They continue to lose. I think this is Tim Miles' last season. Uh, he seems like a really good guy. This is a results profession. Um, he's likely going to be out and, and probably should be. They they draw really well at Nebraska for basketball. Yep. Really, yep. really good fan support there. And it's a it's a nice, shiny, newish arena. You can still smell the new paint on the walls. It's a fantastic facility. You know, when you have that type of support, that type of facility, you've got to be doing a lot better than what Miles has done. That's why I think he's going to be done. he's going to be gone. Well, I know that um, uh, you know Jason Williams said the other night on ESPN. Well, they're just not the same team since Copeland got hurt. He just got hurt last week. I mean, they were struggling before he got hurt. Uh, James Palmer, I thought was conceivably the best player in this conference coming back. I mean, he has, I don't know what's happened to him this year. And so with Nebraska, it's one of two things. Tim Miles is either the best coach in this conference or the worst, meaning that the, the, the analytics and metrics are telling you that he's either getting the absolute most out of a team that's not that good or a team that's really good should have won a heck of a lot more games. It's one or the other. And with a new AD there, that kind of puts you in a position where you're, 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 you you kind of have to make a call. And so this is either he gets like a three-year extension or you go out and hire a new coach. And given the fact there's a new AD there uh, and he's got a reputation for being aggressive, I think it's going to be the latter. They're going to go out and try to hire a new coach. Last Penn State, 2-18. and 18, And um, you've got Michigan State, Purdue. Michigan State, Michigan, Purdue, Wisconsin getting the buys one through four opening rounds. Games, uh, Rutgers versus Nebraska, Illinois versus Penn State. Uh, First-round games, Indiana versus Ohio State, Maryland versus Rutgers, Nebraska winner. Minnesota at 7, Northwestern at 10, playing each other, and number 6 seeded Iowa versus the Illinois-Penn State winner. Anything stick out to you there about those potential big I don't. I, 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 don't I don't really – I mean, because if you've got the four um, – yeah, I, I kind of need to see them in bracket format, but I, I had Michigan State 1, Purdue 2, Michigan 3, Wisconsin 4, Iowa 5, Maryland 6. I had Iowa and Maryland tying at 12 and 8. Indiana 7 at 9 and 11. Minnesota next at 9 and 11. And Ohio State at 9 and 11. So we're very, very similar. Then I had Illinois Rutgers at 6 and 14, which is what you had. I had Nebraska 5 and 15, along with Northwestern 5 and 15. So I had... Um, you know, Iowa as a five, Wisconsin as a four, and, and that those two could potentially meet in the quarters. Uh, that would be on Michigan State side of the bracket. You know, since this is the HN podcast, I, I would always like to see Iowa avoid Michigan State as long as possible. Um, you know, and before we go, yeah, but I'm old enough. I'm old enough, old enough to remember, and so are you. When a Friday win over Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament gave NCAA selection committee chairman Bob Bowlesby all the excuse he need he needed to put seven and nine in the Big Ten Iowa. For an at-large birth, do you remember that? I yeah, remember that. I, I'm. I'm also old enough to remember Iowa getting screwed on a Tom Izzo Teddy Valentine special, uh, and <laughs> no thanks, no freaking thanks. Uh, Iowa hey, beat. There's a reason why Ted Valentine wasn't invited to referee any Big Ten games this year. Yeah, yeah, 
There's yeah. lots of reasons why, in fact. Yeah. Last week on this podcast, you picked Iowa to beat Michigan. I didn't see it. Uh, Iowa not only beat Michigan, they beat them down. Mm-hmm. How much um, – it was a very, very big win for Iowa. Huge win for Iowa. Michigan came into this game as the highest-rated defensive efficiency team in the Ken Pomeroy era that dates back to 2002. And Iowa basically kind of went out and did their thing. Um, shot nearly 50%. Iowa's defense did work. Iowa was just tougher in this game, Steve. And Michigan has been struggling offensively now for quite some time, a concerning trend. But how how excited do you think Iowa fans should be with that win? I'd be really excited. And then I would also, you know, go back to the re- – there are two reasons why I picked Iowa to win the game. One was the timing of the game. You know, Michigan just played Ohio State. Big rivalry game. Uh, John Beeline passes Johnny Orr. Uh, Xavier Simpson gets uh, the, the, the first triple-double against a Power 5 opponent by a Michigan player in like 30 years. I mean, there's all, I mean that, there, there's a huge, there was a huge letdown factor coming into the game for Michigan, and it was a game that Iowa desperately needed to get back some respect after the previous week of action. So the, the situation great, great, greatly favored Iowa. But the other reason why I liked Iowa in the game is Iowa, Michigan matches up really good with a Michigan State. Really good against teams that pride themselves on terrific man-to-man defense. Because, I, you know, you, I know every time you watch a Michigan game, you have to be hurt told that John Beeline was never an assistant coach and he loves the 1-3-1. We haven't run a 1-3-1 in like five years. This is not the Zach Novak, Stu Douglas Michigan teams of scrappy Northwestern kind of players shooting 15 threes a game. We're recruiting at a different level now. And so a team like Iowa with that zone defense, we've been terrible against zone off defenses the last few years because we're really good at dribble drive. We have every one of our guys except Teske can attack the rim off the bounce, every one of them. And so you cannot defend us man-to-man very well. But the problem is if you go to a zone and we can't shoot you out of it, it really slows down the bulk of our offense. And you saw that when we couldn't shoot Iowa out of the zone – you saw that the, the dribble drive became hero ball. That we're not, now we're not attacking the rim, but we're, we're you know, we look like, you know, the Illinois, uh, the, the Michigan Illini. That's what we look like out there. And so that matchup favored Iowa. Here's the other matchup that favored Iowa. And we saw this last year when they played at the end of the year at Chrysler. And then we saw it in the Big Ten tournament. Iowa is really the only team in this league that can play with two bigs that can, that, that can score in the post together at the same time. There really isn't another team in this league that can do that. And so what that does for Michigan's defense is, it, it is you know, especially this year where we're more reliant on a rim protector defensively with Teske as, as the five instead of Mo, is, is it's one thing to ask Teske to, to stop a Tyler Cook or a Luca Garza in the post. It's an entirely other to ask him to stop them both. And he couldn't stay out of foul trouble. If you go look at the game, when Teske was on the floor, I think Michigan was plus three in scoring for the game. When he was off the floor is what we saw the rest of the game. Okay? And I could sit here and say maybe this one was a ticky-tack foul. That's life on the road in the Big Ten. The, the reality is no other team in the league is going to put two guys in the post that can finish together that can play together. There are teams that have multiple post guys, but they can only play one at a time. 
for Iowa to be able to play Garza and Cook together um, really put a huge strain on our interior defense, and we were in foul trouble trying to guard those guys all night. I will promise you, you'll watch me. We'll lose a couple more games. You won't see another team the rest of this year get as many looks that close to the rim against us as Iowa did. It won't happen because it didn't happen all year long. It didn't happen last year either, except like in the Big Ten tournament when we played Iowa. So it's a tough matchup for Michigan because of all the offensive weapons Iowa has, but also the way that those offensive weapons complement one another with the zone defense. And so Michigan didn't shoot Iowa out of the zone. That gave Fran McCaffrey an excuse to stay in it when you and I have thought at times this year he's been way too quick on the trigger to dump it. We didn't shoot Iowa out of it, and it slowed down our offense the entire rest of the game. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons why I would much rather be on Michigan's side of the bracket, no disrespect, Sure. Um, than Michigan State's because it's a better matchup for Iowa. Michigan State I agree. is not. I agree with it. Yeah. All right. That'll wrap up this installment of the HN Podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.